everyone, and welcome to episode 168 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts that we all agree to live by. I am your host, Araz, with my co-host, The Buck, bringing you new and interesting stories from the far reaches of the interwebs. Hey, Buck, I've got a, a bunch of stuff on here. You sent me a bunch, but I actually contributed this week. I, I, feel, I feel like I'm empowering. <laughs> you know what? I I feel I feel I feel actually pretty privileged to know that there's something new going on and I'm going to find out about it fresh this week. So, you know, yay. Well, I I'm not going to list any names. But I I am going to let our listeners that listen to us on a, a regular basis know that we have two special guests coming up, not this episode. Um the episodes are going to be a little bit different. Um but I think once you hear who the guests are, you are going to be extremely delighted to listen to these episodes. So that, I'm just going to throw that little teaser out there. Um, one of them, I, I, I can virtually guarantee, virtually guarantee you know who she is. Oop, it's a woman. <laughs> uh, but those will be coming up in the near future. So make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications when those come out. And you can also check out uh, my social media if you just look up on Facebook, the Razgrees01. Excuse the underscore Razgrees01, now that I think about it. But we'll post those as soon as they come available. But, Buck, let's get right into our stories. And we got the first one coming from thedailybeast.com. Arkansas governor signs law relaxing child labor protections. D- did you work when you were a teenager? Like when we, when was yeah. your when was your first job? I had a paper route when I was probably 12, 13 years old. That's that's an appropriate job. I mean, yeah, I mean and, you know, hand to god, I had the job. I really did, but after about the first two days of walking that route, my parents ended up uh, driving me to deliver the papers at four o'clock every morning for about six months. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't even call that child labor. You know, just saying. It seems a, a little counterproductive. It seems like they had a part-time job and, and you were just getting, you were helping with it. I, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Now let's, again, we're going to fully disclose the absolute 100% truth about this, okay? I had the paper route. I did not have the paycheck. Okay. Okay. Like, my parents my parents were like, well, you know, we'll play ball, but if you want to, like, it was my, it was my, honest to, honest to God, it was my first real taste of, of kind of the time value of money. Like, you know, that's why I only kept the paper route for six months. I'd probably only end up with like maybe $5. And I had to do all the work except for the driving. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, mm, no, you know, my parents didn't do that shit for free. And I don't, I, I'm glad they didn't, you know, it's a little off topic. I'm sorry about that. But, you know, it was a, it was a valuable lesson at 13 years old. You know, oh. if you, you can't expect shit for free. When but I, that's what I got out of my childhood labor experience. I be, I can't remember if I was 15 or 16. I got my first gig at a, at one of the Golden Arches, and uh, I was you know trying to get a car that kind of stuff. Uh, but I've I've seen all these reports coming out lately of these companies using 
children in factories because they have small hands and they can reach into places. Uh, very, very illegal, uh, but apparently not in Arkansas. As Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has loosened child labor laws in the states, making it easier for workplaces to employ minors without strict regulations. <laughs> like part of the thing, I, I couldn't work past a certain time. I, I had to be out because of school. I, can only, I couldn't... Um, it was different on the weekends, but on school nights, it, it was always different. It, it was very, very specific. When and I couldn't work in the kitchen, I could only work out front. Um, I couldn't work with machines, or I couldn't work with, with the, you know, it was it was very, very regulated, and that was back in what the early, the late nine, nineteen nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, dude, that was back in the twentieth, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, like we're talking, we're talking twentieth century job market, and they had those strict regulations on, regulations on it. Anyhow, back to the article. The new law, dubbed the Youth Hiring Act of twenty twenty three, allows workplaces in the to hire children under the age of sixteen without obtaining permission from the Department of Labor. Previously, minors under sixteen needed employment certifications to verify their age. Uh, describe the work they do and include parental or guardian consent. <clears throat> I had to cough there. The Republican governor has attempted to spin the law as removing a burden from parents who are sending their children to work. The Arkansas law could only make child labor violations increase, uh, critics have said. Uh, Andrew Collins, a Democratic state representative, slammed the bill for increasing the, quote, risk that there will be abuses of vi and violations of other child labor laws, end quote, by removing the need for parental consent. Since 2018, there have been a whopping 69% increase in the number of illegally employed children by companies, the, the Department of Labor has found. In the last month, more than 3,800 children were working in jobs that violate federal law. Just because there's a shortage of workers doesn't mean you can turn your back on almost 100 years of child labor uh, and start hiring kids, especially for dangerous jobs from which they see happening increasingly in the country. Uh, Reed Mackey, Director of Child Labor Advocacy at the Northern Consumer League. This just seems like a horrible idea. Yeah. I, I got an idea. We, we don't want to like, pay people a decent wage so um, we're going to pay them shit. Well, they won't apply for the jobs. What do you mean they won't apply for the jobs? They have to work. Well, they're not. So let's, let's hire kids that we can pay them less. That's what's doing. That is literally what the is happening here. They are just hiring children so that they can, so that they can pay them less money. There's no other reasoning behind it. And, and, and the, it absolutely disgusts me. It disgusts me. I I gotta find it. I gotta tell you, I find it pretty vexing myself. I and have pretty insulting too. I have two children, pretty insulting too. And, and 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 just very recently, we have told both our kids, don't even ask about getting the job. Don't even freaking ask. While you're in high school, no sir. Once they turn seventeen, eighteen, if they want to get a part time gig. I'll entertain it, but no, you, you are not getting a job. You are going to focus on school and you are, you, you know, we'll, we'll take care of what you need. You're not going to ruin your, your, your school time and your youth working. Once you start working, that's it. 
That's it. You're you're that's you're you're a slave to a slave to your job the rest of your uh, life. You don't need that as a child. I uh, I uh, I really like that um, that mentality and that philosophy. I, I I applaud you on that. And you know what I I gotta say, my parents they allowed me to get a paper route. They allowed it. And, you know, after I did it, I'm the oldest boy in my family. After I did that silly shit, that was like their alpha test, and it fucking flopped. They never let any of my other brothers or sisters, you know. My sisters got jobs when they were 17, you know, except for my oldest. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is there was no child labor laws. Well, there, there was. But, okay, not parents. being broken, correct. Not being broken. And, right. and here's the thing, like with a paper route. I, I, that's 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 kind of like that is a kid's job. That's that's kind right. of that's almost like a rite of passage. As it used to be. Anymore, when you see people delivering newspapers, you see um, some neckbeard doing it in a Ford Corolla or a Chevy. What, what's a Corolla? Toyota. A Toyota Corolla uh, Toyota. with with a suspension forked in it and just driving around and winging them on people's porches, never even getting out of the car. Um, or you see the fancy guy, the fancy guy who puts hand controls in his car and drives it from the passenger seat. I've seen that. Those dudes, that's like legit. That's that's a paper. That is a paper delivery specialist. Is that, is it, is it, that's what he puts on the resume. I, um, no, that's what I'm. That's the title I'm giving him. Correspondence, I mean, like, correspondence delivery specialists. <laughs> you know what? I mean, like, I saw a dude. No lie, here in the town where I live. And uh, I was driving home from a doctor's appointment. He had a uh, a bumper, like a decal. Uh, it said paper delivery on it. He had little flashing. He had his hazard lights on. And uh, and he was driving his car from the passenger seat. And uh, steering it like this. Just driving on the shoulder, delivering papers. It's... I thought that was I thought that was pretty hip. I really did. I just, you know. You know, there there's certain things that might happen in your life that necessitate you getting that type of job, but I I, I really do think that that kind of job should be a kid's job. You know that that's a way. I I agree. My son, my oldest, uh, as soon as I realized he was big enough to push the lawnmower, he got the responsibility of mowing the grass, and you know we we pay them. You know, it's not not a not a not a king's ransom or anything, but he gets paid to do it, and I told him. You know, it's like if you want to use the lawnmower and you want to go around to the neighbors and say you'll cut their grass for 30, 40 bucks, you can do that. You want to start your own little lawn landscaping business, that's fine. But if you make a commitment to somebody, you have to follow through with it. And he's like, I don't like mowing our lawn. <laughs> and he's like, I don't like mowing our lawn. I do it because you tell me I have to. <laughs> I go, okay. You still have to, but if you change your mind, the lawnmower's in the garage. Uh, and, and that's fine. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So I, I, he does have that option, but I don't think he's ever going to take it because, you know, I don't... Uh, due to a, I, I, okay, I don't sweat. I don't sweat like a normal person. I just don't. Um, so I don't deal with heat very well. So like this time of year, uh, it, it's April. I'm sorry, it's March right now. And in the fall, I'm fine. But in the summertime, mm -mm. especially here in the Midwest when temperatures are over 100 every day. And 
I, I just don't. I, I, my, so Sadar has d mowed the lawn for years, and uh, she's getting quite tired of it. And we tell people that's why we had kids. <laughs> you know what, though? Yeah, I, I remember after my second child was born, uh, my ex and I had a pit bull in a very small yard. And where do you think he went to the bathroom? Who do you think had to clean up the dog dirt? That's my youngest son. No, that's my youngest son's job. <laughs> well, no, no lie. After my after my second kid was born, I didn't have fucking time for that, man. I'm I was I was a Mr. Mom. And so I went two doors up. The guy the guy who lived two doors up from me, I looked at him and I was like, listen, man, is it okay if I ask your kid if he'd be okay, you know, help me clean up the dog dirt in my yard once a week? And uh I'll give him 20, 30 bucks. And the guy looked at me and he's like, yeah, yeah. I looked at the kid. The kid was like, are you serious? He's like, do you have like a scooper? And I said, no, I do not. I put on latex gloves and I just pick it up and throw it in a bag. He goes, that's even better. He, he was, yeah. He's like, I don't have, to, he, well, I mean, like, apparently this wasn't his first rodeo. Like he knew he he knew all about dog dirt disposal. Why do you think I call it dog dirt? That's what he called it. On a dog that, dirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, like a twelve-year-old kid telling me a new word for dog shit. I was like, "Yeah, you're fucking hired, kid. Let's do it." One thing that really irritated me: we moved to where we're at now. We're in a subdivision, and uh, there's a Facebook group. For, for this subdivision. And it, mostly it's devolved into everyone, I lost my dog, or there's a dog in my yard, whose dog is this? That's what it's devolved into at this point. But, you know, when, when after the first time we mowed this yard, we're like, this sucks. Uh, let's put a, put a call out, you know, bop, 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 bop. looking for a neighborhood kid, mow my lawn. And uh, I got an instant from a, from a mother. She's saying, my son would be glad to do it. And I go, okay, does he want to come by, take a look at the yard, and let me know how much he wants to do it? He'll do it for 30 bucks. I'm like, okay. Um, all right, let's do that. Or she said 20. It, it was a ridiculously low amount. So the kid got here, and I'm like, and I showed him what I wanted done. He's like, okay, and he did it. And I went out there, you know, took him water, and, I'm, and I said, listen, you know, this is not a $20 job. And his, you could just see his face sink. He, he, he thought he was getting, like, reprimanded for not working hard enough. I said, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to pay you 40 because it's a pretty, pretty big job. <laughs> and he's like, right. yeah, I was, I was thinking of saying something. My mom already promised. I'm like, don't worry about that. You, you can even tell your mom I paid you 20 I don't care. But I'm giving you 40 <laughs> you know. Um, and yeah. unfortunately, the kid ended up, uh, petering out on me more th more often than not and no showing and then um, eventually I just he just ghosted me so I'm like alright well and then I learned my son could do it so we just did that and then that little shit had the nerve to show up here uh, beginning of last year and say yeah I was hoping I could come back and do that again I'm like yeah you can keep hoping kid I'm sorry you ghosted me and he's like well yeah I had a better offer. I'm like, and you could have said, listen, I'm not interested in doing this anymore. But, you know, lesson learned. And he tried, he tried making a sign and going around and, and he, nobody in the neighborhood would touch him because they knew what happened here. 
And I, I kind of feel bad, but at the same time, it, it was like a lesson learned for him. I mean, hopefully he takes it as a life lesson. Um, and I pay my kid less. So, <laughs> You know what? I mean, like, you know what? I started off by saying, you know, my first, my paper out was a life lesson to me. It was not all, it was not all cookies and cream. You know, I, I would much rather pay a neighbor kid before I would pay a, a lawn service. And that's the thing, like the lawn services, they're, they're the first people I called because I figured, okay, they're professionals. But they wanted like over a hundred dollars every week for my yard. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I'd rather pay a neighbor kid. You know, the, the neighborhood kid that wants to make some money. And this kid was like, like 15 or 16. He was saving up for a car. I'm like, this is perfect. You know, I have, this is perfect. And then he, he, like I said, he, I think he got enough for his car and then that was it. He was like done and just ghosted. But anyway, well, let's, let's yeah, we've spent way too much time on the Arkansas labor law. We've gone way down the rabbit hole. What do we, what do we got up next, man? So this was not so much a social liability. I just thought it was a really cool story and I slipped it in. This is coming from insider.com. A man stranded in the snow without cell service attaches his phone to a drone and flew it until he got reception and can send a message for help. <laughs> a man got his car stuck in the snow in a remote area of Oregon, found an ingenious way to call for help, even though he did not have cell phone service. He was driving down a remote road in Wilmanette National Forest, located in the Cascade Mountain Range, when he got stuck. Uh, making the situation worse, his family was out of the country and nobody knew he was gone or to call for help if he didn't make it home. <laughs> but thinking quickly, the man who has not been publicly identified realized he might be able to use his drone that he had with him to call for help. He attached his cell phone to the drone and typed a text message explaining that he needed help and where exactly he was. After hitting send, he flew his drone several hundred feet into the air. The increased elevation allowed the phone to connect to a tower and send the message, which resulted in our teams being deployed and assisting him in a situation, said the search and rescue group. Officials said that during the rescue, the man, uh, they were also able to locate and rescue another motorist who had spent multiple days stranded in the snow. Rescuers praised the ingenuity and said that he also made the right decision by remaining in his vehicle. Rarely does anyone in Oregon die from exposure waiting in their vehicle to be found and rescued, but we have unfortunately seen many poor outcomes for those who choose to walk away. They added that anyone headed into the outdoors should let a trusted person know exactly where they are going and when they'll be back and not to deviate from the plan. In, the Southern, Calif in Southern California in December, other motorists who got stranded without cell service were able to call for help in an unusual way. Uh, Chloe Fields and her boyfriend, Christian Zelanda, were driving through uh, Angeles National Forest when their car went off the cliff and landed in a canyon about 300 feet below. The couple who miraculously survived told Insider they were able to call for help through a new emergency SOS satellite feature on the iPhone 14. This feature detects their fall and they were out of cell phone uh, range and used satellites to connect them to emergency services. There's actually a picture of what this guy did, and he, he, he's got, it looks like a, uh, a DJI model uh, drone uh, with some paracord wrapped around it, and it's holding a, a, an iPhone from it. This is bloody genius. I, 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 this guy was a freaking genius. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a drone pilot myself. I have a, a, a pretty high-end drone that I use, and this is remarkable. I, I just thought this was such a cool story. It's not a social liability other than the fact that the guy was stranded out there and he didn't tell anybody where he was going. 
but I, I just thought it was such a cool way to 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 get help. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought of that? Well, I mean, like, you know, the big takeaway is that, you know, if you want to survive as bad as you want to fucking breathe, you will survive, you know, and, and this man definitely, definitely rose to the occasion for himself. And also, uh, be responsible when you go out and travel. Uh, there are still places, we may live in the 21st century, but there are still places in this country where you cannot get help. And this proves that, you know, oh, well, the U.S. is densely, no, it's only densely populated in certain places. Yeah. See, like, you know, or, like, Oregon, Oregon is God's country in some places, man. Like, like, man, you can, you can really go off the grid, you know, here in the Appalachian Mountains, too, you know, or, you know, wherever you, wherever you can think of, there are places where you can hide, where no one can find you easily. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Well, I mean, it, people think we're densely populated, but I mean, it, we're really not. Um, like, you, no. You'll hear people from Europe always making fun of Americans for never uh, traveling. But when you realize that some of our states are the size of their continent, <laughs> you know, um, you know they, 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 they can drive across the border and... You know, several borders a day. Whereas you bring somebody from Europe to the United States and say, "Hey, we're going to drive up to uh, the city." Well, how far is it? It's about two hours. Oh my God, no! <laughs> uh, oh, if you if you put the map of Texas over Europe, it's bigger than Europe except for Russia. If you take every other country than Russia. And put it, you you can fit that inside of Texas. Yeah. Well, just for an example, just I, Texas. I currently live in the uh, the flyover state known as Oklahoma, and the population of Oklahoma as of twenty twenty one is three point nine eight seven million. But just let's just say four million for the sake of argument. Four million people in the entire state. Okay. Uh, so you, you just to say four million. Population of Tulsa, we have two major cities. Tulsa's one of them, is almost half a million. And the, uh, let me see here, Oklahoma City is three quarters of a million. The rest of those are distributed all over the state. And just for context purposes, the population of New York City is 8.468 million. So we are not densely populated. No, any stretch, um, and and people think that we are. We're just, we're just not. And we are a huge country, and we are spread out. Now, unless you're on the coastlines, you know you, you're not nearly as you're not going to run across people if you don't want to. You you can literally there's there's still places in this country you can just walk into the woods and and, and hide disappear. and disappear. <sighs> But one of the things, Either way, man. So one of the things you're going to have to do if you do want to disappear, though, is you have to like destroy all your documents so that uh, you know they can't track you. Sometimes that happens even when you don't want it to. Uh, this was being reported by the New York Post. UK students stranded after a hotel accidentally shreds 42 passports. Dozens Ooh. of British students on a trip to the U.S. were left stranded in the country after their hotel mistakenly shredded their passports. 
I am trying my hardest to figure out how in the hell you would mistakenly shred a passport. Why would you shred any passport? Literally, that's not your own. I, I'm I'm dumbfounded and confused. Let's let's keep going. Yeah, I, I, yeah, oh. yeah. Our staff are always on hand to support Brits in troubled o- trouble overseas, and we have been in close contact with the school to assist them. <laughs> a foreign uh, Commonwealth of Development Office spokesman told the BBC, "We are processing their applications for emergency travel documents so the staff and children can return to the UK as quickly as possible." A group of high school students from Bar Beacon School on a school trip in New Hampshire had to extend their trip by four days as they awaited emergency documents from the British Embassy. (laughs) Along with four staff members leading the trip, around 42 passports were destroyed. The Kankamangas? It starts K-A-N-C-A-M-A-G-U-S. Lodge, where the students were staying during the trip, did not appear to have any explanation for why they had shredded the passports other than it happened by mistake. Unfortunately, the hotel management to destroy the passports in their care, which has led to the those affected having to apply for emergency travel documents, said the head teacher, Katie Hobbs, who was not on the trip, told the Express and Star, the group are at the British Embassy in New York today to finalize all the documents before flying home on Tuesday, four days later than planned. The students spent time sightseeing in New York City where the embassy processed their paperwork with the expectation to return to the UK on Wednesday. The families had to pay around $180 for the documents. One parent praised Hobbs for the problem-solving from a distance, staying up late to ensure that all parents received and filled out and returned the paperwork to apply for emergency documents as soon as possible. She had just communicated with us, and we are really calm and really clear. Uh, she has just been phenomenal. The silver lining is they're having an amazing experience, and I said, just be present and enjoy it, she added. Hobbs, in turn, praised the four teachers leading the trip for working around the clock to ensure their pupils are safe and return to their home as quickly as possible. I'm looking forward to receiving all the party back home, said Hobbs. The Lodge did not respond to Fox News Digital's request for a comment by the time of publication. I hope to God that Lodge is paying for every single one every of their expenses. Every fucking thing. Oh, my lord if i went down there and they said oh we shredded your passport why (laughs) somebody if somebody did that to me this chair that i'm sitting in would start to tick like you i blow the fuck up man I, i i don't know what i would do the passport is especially when you're i mean like obviously if you're carrying a passport you're outside of your own country that's not true that's not necessarily true um well, I mean, I, I regardless, do, though, I it is use... one of the most sacred. It's just such, such a sacred document. I actually use my passport for a lot of a lot of things where we uh, you have to show ID. Um, like for example, when you start a new job, a lot of times for um, for an I nine, you have oh, to figure for, out for an I nine. You have to fill out like your driver's license and a birth certificate or a social. There's a, you have to show two different forms of documents. The exception to that is. The passport. You can simply show your passport, and that uh, negates the need for anything else. The other reason I like to use my passport for things is if you look at a passport, there's one thing that's not on here that's on every other form of document that you're going to 
uh, identification you're going to have, and that's an address. It, address. If I if I need to show ID and I do not want people to know my address, I use a passport. That's actually a pretty handy tip. But either way, these fucking lodge employees, man, those poor kids, and congratulations and kudos to the teachers. Like, you know, the ladies, like, just just be present and enjoy. Like, you know, that's that's a very good mentality to have because you know what? Once you're in that situation, there's not a damn thing you can do. You're you're truly stranded and marooned. It's like being in the middle of the ocean. And see when um my son had to get his uh his passport and his visa uh from to return from China. Um we had to go through that embassy stuff and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And it, it it's not a quick process. Um, four days, that's a great turnaround. That is a great turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, kudos to the teachers. Whoever, the, well, they, the article wasn't kidding. It said they stayed up all night. Yeah. You know, and worked around the clock. They uh, That shows. I mean, when my passport, I had my passport stolen from me when I was, uh, when I was traveling about 20 years ago in Guatemala. I was stuck there for a week and a half. And that was a U.S. passport. I was at the U.S. consulate trying to get this shit ironed out. And they got 42 passports in four days? Damn. Damn, damn. Well, speaking of... Like, that's quick. Speaking of Central America, you might have some, some insights into this one, shall we? This is being reported by the New York Post. Mexico's Gulf Cartel turns over five members tied to America's Americans, rather, deadly kidnapping. Have you heard about this, how the American tourists were kidnapped and killed in Mexico? Nope. Didn't hear it. Well, a secretive faction of Mexico's notorious Gulf cartel apologized and turned in five members who they say are responsible for the broad daylight kidnapping that killed two Americans last week. The cartel's Scorpions group said it decided to turn over those who were directly involved and responsible in the events related to the March 3rd abduction of four Americans in the border city of Matamoros. Oh, wow. That's right across the border in Brownsville. Did I say it right? Yeah. Matamoros. 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 That's once you go. That is literally the crossing town. When you go from Brownsville, Texas, you go into Matamoros, Mexico. That's that's the uh, that's the border. Well, according to a letter leaked to the Associated Press by the state law enforcement sources, uh, the state also claimed, I'm sorry, the letter also claimed that five members acted under their own decision-making and lack of discipline when they attacked victims Latavia McGee, uh, Shahid Woodard, Zendel Brown, and Eric Williams. What the hell, kid? <laughs> I can't pronounce all your names. Get the last kid, Eric Williams. McGee and Williams were found injured but alive in a dingy shack on Tuesday after a four-day search. Uh, Woodard and a bunch of pictures, bunch of pictures. It's just literally just, I got to hit this button maybe? No. Oh, uh, Woodard and Brown, however, had been shot dead. Uh, the ambush in the letter states went against the Gulf Cartel's policy of respecting life and the well-being of innocents. Uh, the, the source also showed the outlet a photograph of the five implicated men laying bound face down on the pavement. 
A separate source, a state security official, told the Associated Press that the men were found tied up in a vehicle that is at the center of the kidnapping investigation. Mexicans did not, Mexican officials did not immediately confirm the reports. News of the possible arrest comes amid reports that Mexican law enforcement is pursuing a possible drug trafficking motive for the abduction, which some experts initially uh, speculated was a tragic case of mistaken identity. All four of the victims were childhood friends from South Carolina, had prior arrests for drug-related incidents. Uh, Matamoros, uh, which is located near the border town of Brownsville, Texas, is a hot zone for the Gulf Cartel's ultra-violent war against the rival Zetas. Uh, they live off extortion, kidnapping, and protection money, uh, said this one newspaper down there. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. The post of the uh, uh, Gulf Cartel and controlled the region has for almost 100 years. Dude, I actually have a, a, a small sliver of life experience in this arena. And um, well, one of my... Well, um, many, many moons ago, I worked for a mafia-owned Mexican strip club in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Okay, I did not work as a mafioso. I'm not, I'm not professing that. The establishment where I worked was owned by the mafia. Okay, and so along with that, you got to see certain people you know, coming into the establishment to meet the boss. And I worked security, so I had to, like, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old kid, I'm in way over my fucking head, and, you know, I'm escorting these carteleros into my boss's office, and they're having, like, clandestine meetings about business shit that, you know, I, I did not want to be included in, and I never was. However, the reason I stopped living in Mexico was because of the cartels. Once they, I, st I was living there when, when it turned over, when the crime turned from a mafia-run crime-like loop into a cartel-run crime group. Like, cartels have existed in, like, Colombia and Central America for, you know, hundreds of years. But they really started infecting the northern, the North Americas right around the time that I was living down in Central America, in, in Mexico. They, they started to migrate north. And it got so violent, so violent, that even I, just for working there, started to get on these cartels' radars. Oh, I, like, I don't know shit. I know where the fucking keys are. Like, I know where the keys to the doors are. I know where the light switch is, the, the breaker box. Like, I know that's the shit I knew. You know, I know where the good cleaning supplies is for the napkin holders. The stuff that'll get all the stains off the chrome. Like, I, I can find I Listen, that. listen, 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 listen. I don't want to talk about stains in a strip club. But, but, but <laughs> well, right. But, 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 but that's the scope of, of my responsibilities and what I really knew. And when they started to, like look at me on their radar for shit. I'm like, whoa. I, I had to leave. And it was so bad that when I left, when I, when I wanted to leave, I couldn't. I was actually flagged at the airport. It was so bad. I had to go back to the Mexican immigration office and renounce all of my Mexican paperwork 
because I had the very beginning of, of applying for citizenship there, which is the FM3. I had to renounce all of it. And they told me there, they're like, you are now officially here illegally. You are, you, we are going to deport you. Like that's what's, that's what's going to happen now. And I said, Great. I am very aware of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had to get deported from the country and they gave me three options. They were like, we can arrest you and put you on a prison like transport to the border could take however long it takes to get there. You can, um, you can, they gave me like some other bullshit option that would have involved me having to stay in the country for like another two weeks. They were like, yeah, you can claim official asylum and then we can turn you over to whoever and then we can have you deported that way. Or you can report to your embassy and fund your own, you know, transport removal. from the country. But <laughs> your own removal. Yeah, you, like you can be responsible for your own removal, but it would have to be done through your embassy. And I was like, yes, I would like to do that. Like I already had the, I already had the consulate. I, and not only that, I, I lived in Playa del Carmen in order to leave the country. I had to go to, from, from Playa del Carmen, which is the state of Quintana Roo. I had to travel four hours West to the capital of the state of Yucatan, which is called Merida. And I, I couldn't go to the Cancun American consulate to get this done. I had to go to the embassy proper in in Merida, Mexico. Thank God it was still open back then because the only other embassy in that entire place is in Mexico City and nobody would have let me travel that far. I had to bribe them over $1,000 to let me leave that immigration office without a cop. But that's that, and it was all because of the cartels and I did nothing. I had no information. I was just a low man on the totem pole. I was running around and people that I worked with were just dis-a-fucking-peering. Like, and it was all because of these cartel guys. And then, like, it just got so rowdy. Like, they don't fuck around. Don't fuck with the cartels. Like, people are like, oh, well, if I ever met a cartelero, I would just, you know, shoot him because we have the Second Amendment here. It's like, no, no, no. They don't care about your right. They don't care about your guns. They have more of them. Yeah. And they will use them. They they have more of them. They 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 have like, you know, they can't take on the army. I'm not gonna say that they're that powerful. Not our army. But they're powerful enough to where they've taken over entire countries. Uh look at what Pablo Escobar did to Colombia in the nineteen eighties. You know, one of my managers actually left the mafia. To go work for the Zetas cartel. So, I mean, like, you know, these people, they're, they, they hide behind a, a, um, an, over, uh, an overwhelmed sense of code and honor. And, and that masks what their true goals are, which is just, they're, they're societal cancer. They're not even a social liability. Like that, I, I won't even give them that label. Cartels are a societal cancer. They go in, they infect, they overturn, and they're greedy as fuck. They have no morals. They don't care, and that's how they take over a place. They go in there and they do shit that nobody the fuck else would do. 
And that's how they that's how they overturn it. Like the mafia had a code of ethics. No women, no children. If you don't fuck with us, we won't fuck with you. You know, that's that's the mafia way. And that's why I didn't have a problem working for those people. They they looked at me and they were like, well, uh, we need security and uh, you're six foot two and 270 pounds. So, uh, you know, that, you know, I was a pretty big guy. You know, now I'm six foot two and 180. But, you know, regardless, they they like hey, my aesthetic. They you're, said, you're more like, you know, three and a half feet. Right. You know what, man? I can get up to five eleven and care. OK, <laughs> I got the one that elevates. I was tired. I'm tired of being at, at everybody's eye. You know, you fart in line and it's going to hit me right in the face. But, you know, I digress. The fact of the matter is, is that cartels are no motherfucking good. And they, they have no code. They go in there and, you know, where the mafia is like, no women, no children, don't fuck with us. We won't fuck with you. The cartel's like, we're going to kill everybody. We're going to kill your dog. We're going to fucking, they're going to rob Wolf your ass or uh, rob Stark your ass like the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. They'll take your dog's head and sew it onto your fucking body. You think George R.R. R. Martin came up with that? Nope. Cartels, I bet you we could go to Columbia right now and find fucking 40 people without even having to look, that have had somebody in their family fucked up beyond all recognition by a fucking cartel. And that's just a fact. So, you know, if, if you know, Brownsville to Matamoros, that was my stomping grounds, man. That's how I crossed the border over land. You know, that's like... Bad stuff. Bad, I've bad been through there. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, bad. Well... Let's 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 get off this depressing topic. But so, Buck, I um, we talked a little bit before the show started. I hear you got a package in the mail. I did, I did. I am enjoying right now, um, my Dubby energy drink. Dubby, you that, say? Uh, yes, <laughs> Dubby. Um, which is you know, uh, actually a pretty hip little product to be honest with you. I'm drinking it right now. It says it's jitter free. I don't. I wouldn't say that I have the jitters, but I'm definitely a lot more energetic. Uh, definitely a lot more energetic right now. Yeah, I mean, like I'm telling you, what I could probably get up and walk if my legs would work. Yeah. You know? Is it is it pair like, is it pair well with with this morning's strain? You know what it. I gotta tell you, as far as bud pairing with with this, I would have to say. <laughs> I am sampling right now the beach and peach uh, flavor. It uh, it came. I, I bought it with the W starter pack. Came with this nice little shaker bottle, um, with the uh, smiley face with the X's on it. I mean, like it's pretty hip. And uh, I never owned a shaker bottle bottle before, because people in wheelchairs don't work out and have no need for shit like this. But now I have one, and I feel like I rule. And <laughs> So it tastes pretty good too. And Beach and peach is a nice little name for the flavor. You got you got a nice discount with checkout, didn't you? I did. I used the promo code Raz01. <laughs> and I got 10% off of my order. The the Dubby starter pack is uh is my my recommendation for the way to go because even if you don't like the energy drink, you get a pretty hip little uh shaker bottle. And I personally think that the energy drink tastes great. So that's I'm right, drinking folks. it right now. Uh, you can go to w.gg 
D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Use the discount code RAZ, R-A-Z-0-1 for a 10% off for every order. That's not just the first order. That's all orders. You should use the RAZ-0-1 get 10% off any order from W.com and help support the show. Anyway. <laughs> all right, Buck. So we're going to keep moving along here. And we went from horrifying to disgusting. This is coming from the dragonflyreport.com. Berkeley microbrewery to utilize yeast from the beards of local homeless men. Oh my God. My soul just left my body and threw up on my tongue. Oh my God. Microbreweries are everywhere these days. And it seems that there's an amateur brewer in just about everybody's family. Some brew in-house, and there's no escaping the smell of boiling wort and mashing grains at these large establishments. At most places, customers can order what's called a flight, where they can sample a large selection of what's on tap and perhaps find a favorite. In a, <laughs> it's a competitive business, and sometimes you'll find two microbreweries on the same street. In this environment, how does one establishment stand out from the other? The answer is a bit complicated, but the goal of the master brewer should be to hit that sweet spot and satisfy as many palates as possible. Some like it hoppy, some don't. Some like it dark, some like it golden. The fact is there is a lot of variables out there in brewing beer, but the choice of yeast that you use perhaps is the one decision that can set you apart from the crowd. A brewmaster in Oregon discovered that the yeast can be derived from his beard and the beers he brewed using this yeast were some of the most popular at his brewery. William Anderson, a Berkeley brewmaster, who is also known to derive yeast from his beards, is hoping his love of brewing beer and concern for local homeless population will help set his microbrewery on 4th Street called The Underpass apart. According to Anderson, the yeast derived from the human beard falls into what is called the American wild ale style category. He discovered the yeast from different beards resulting in subtle but profound taste changes. And this is what provided the beer with a unique, uh, yeah, ter terrier, a French term used to describe the environmental factors that affect its phenotype. The homeless population spent a lot of time outdoors and there's a lot of time a lot of stuff to accumulate in their beards. <laughs> this is what makes it interesting. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, but we've managed to extract some yeast samples. <laughs> the beers we've created from the yeast from the city's homeless are superb and unique. Anderson play pays a generous stipend to those who are willing to donate, and the beer menu is getting larger by the day. We are enjoying a beer called the Tethered Shopping Cart. Oh my god. <laughs> noticed customers from all over the Bay Area and abroad standing in line to order. Although Anderson's underpass project will not solve the homeless problem, it does provide some immediate cash for those who donate. Plus, the excellent beer choices at the underpass can help you get through another day that is not, that is not so perfect urban environment. Check out the menu below. Hurry while supplies last. Oh my God. So, you know, we, we've talked before about how um, marijuana dispensaries come up with some pretty unique names for their products. Uh, here, here's, here's some. Uh, just so you know, the underpass is closed on Mondays for yeast donation. So we have that's that. what that, that that's the best fucking model to go with, man. 
you get somebody after a bender on a fucking Monday, I bet you they got all sorts of fucking awesome shit in that beard. Well, here's some of their... Probably find a dead bird in there. Here's what some of the beers are called. Neighbor's Complaint, Karen's Nightmare, Dignity's End, Tethered Shopping Cart, Spare Change, Curbside Tent, Unexpected Neighbor, Dank Nibby, uh, People's Park Light, Urban Stain, Choice Sidewalk, Gimme Shelter. <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of seems like he's making fun of the homeless to me. <laughs> I um. <laughs> all I have to say to this is no. Oh my god! There are people. There, there, there are people who exist in the world that like a taste of some fucked up delicacy, like people who eat cheese with maggots and shit like that. And I'm, I'm. You know, it exists, it's out there, and, and you know, to every each his own. And I'm not I'm not going dis- to disparage or dissuade anybody from trying this, but I can tell you personally that if you were to give me a glass of this and tell me to even take one sip, we would witness at least a level six cripple tantrum. Because I, I can't fight you, but I can cause a fucking scene. And buddy, I will do everything short of having the law called to not have to fucking drink that. And he's charging between eight and nine dollars a glass. <laughs> dude, I pay you eight I, to nine dollars and not give me that. Dude, I have paid less at a ballpark. <laughs> dude, I would pay you that much money to not put the glass anywhere in front of me. Oh my god. I, I want to go shave right now. <laughs> you know, I haven't I haven't shaved since January like twenty eighth. And you know, I've I've got like a, a some pretty good growth going on right now. Uh, I I want to go shave. I want to go shave right now. I want to stop the show and go back to the bathroom right now because this just horrifies me. Well, you I'm know, all for helping the homeless. As... Don't get misunderstand, but God, no. <laughs> see, as much as as repulsed as I am at the thought of drinking or imbibing this particular product i am still very curious and very willing to donate and um i'm just wondering would they keep my personal brew in a disabled disabled decanter you have to you have to have a craft you have to have a handicap placard to get your beer (laughs) that's what i'm saying like we could pour it from the cripple craft or we could, or the disabled decanter, okay. or, or the handicapped handle. Like I'm, I'm telling you, man. I mean, like there are so many ways that we could go. I would donate. I just wouldn't partake. I I wouldn't even drink my own beer brew. I, I, we got we got to move on. I can't. I can't. Our next story comes from WSBTV.com. Georgia woman stabbed brother because he wouldn't let her have lasagna. <laughs> God damn. Hey, Georgia. If there were never a better reason to stab your brother, lasagna, I can see that. I can see that. I can see a blade coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Lasagna is good. A Georgia woman found herself in hot water after allegedly stabbing her brother over a love of pasta. Columbia County deputies were called to the 400 block of Millwater Court in reference to a domestic situation. Prior to deputies arriving, dispatch got a call from the victim, Ernest Hardwick, who said that his sister, uh, Pralina Hardwick stabbed him. 
Ernest Hardwick also told deputies he had locked himself in the laundry room while calling 911. According to the incident report, Ernest Hardwick and Berlina Hardwick began arguing over dinner. After several minutes passed, Berlina Hardwick allegedly started yelling at Ernest Hardwick and told him, just hit me in the head with the stove door. What? <laughs> when she asked... <laughs> When asked why they were arguing, she said that they would not allow her to get lasagna out of the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, she told authorities she allegedly blacked out for several minutes after arguing with her brother and saw a knife in her hand and Ernest Hardwick running to the laundry room with a wound in his back. Not only did she stab him, she stabbed him in the back. <laughs> Witnesses told deputies that she, that she saw Berlina Hardwick take a knife and stab her brother in the back at least once. He was taken to a local hospital. Officials have not given an update on his condition. She was arrested and taken to the Columbia County Detention Center. She's charged with aggravated assault and possession of a firearm or knife during the commission of a crime. God. And, and you know, I'm looking at her mugshot. This chick's got neck tattoos, okay? she That was her knife. <laughs> that wasn't a random Dude, knife. That was her knife. <laughs> she committed a faux pasta. Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a no. That's a yes. <sighs> All day long, dude. I'll tell you what, man, stab a motherfucker in the back over some pasta. I wonder if it was Stouffer's. Cause I don't imagine that this was a homemade. I don't, I don't imagine that this was something homemade. I don't know. This could have been grandma's prize lasagna recipe, and that's why they were fighting over it. You know what, though? I mean, like, I'd cut a motherfucker for my mother's lasagna. So, yeah, I, can, I can see. I've never had lasagna, so I couldn't tell you. How do you even smile? I can't eat tomatoes. You give me a Has pasta. Has that been a life? Yeah, yeah, it's been a Has that been a lifelong thing? Yeah. Oh, jeez, man. How that's that's that i i really i feel for you i really really do because i equate not trying lasagna in your world to the same as having color blindness in mine like like you know i don't know what blue is but i can still smile it's like that's you don't you don't know what lasagna is but you can still smile it's like, okay, all right, I can jive with that. I was going to make fun of you a little bit, but now that I realize that it's like, uh, oh, I just, buddy, my heart goes out for you, man. Raz, I just, right, right down to the fiber of my soul, I feel for you never knowing the joy of lasagna. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ricotta cheese. Beef, throwing some Italian sausages. If, see, if you could do the beef and the cheese and the and the those giant lasagna noodles, because I love pasta, I'd, I'd be like down. But the moment you start fucking pouring jars of tomato sauce in there, that's it. Can't do it, dude. You know what? I'm gonna have to send Sadar a recipe for a white lasagna. Do you like Alfredo sauce? You know, I do and I don't. And because there was a, there was a time in our lives, and you know this time where we actually, uh, our apartment that we had was the attic of someone's house that we rented. She was such a nice lady. It was a couple, and the dude was a douche. Um, Notice I said nice lady. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, um, we, we were so poor at that time that we had 
uh, Alfredo pasta. Sometimes we were able to spring for the bacon bits. Uh, we had like three or four, three or four nights a week. So it, it's one of those things. That if I can, uh, I, I don't ever crave um, Alfredo pasta. I just, I just don't crave it. I'll eat it because my oldest son Dude. loves it, but I, I, I won't go out of my way to get it. <laughs> Right on, right on. Still, either way, man. I just think, you know what? Fuck, fuck all that noise. I'm gonna get Sadar to make you a plain, sauceless lasagna, just oil the noodles. I really think that I just, you know, I, mm, there's just something about it, man. Oh my god, I'm like, mm, mm. caregiver Katie's gonna make lasagna for me. Whether she, she likes, whether she yet. knows it or not. <laughs> I don't think she knows it yet, but oh, it's I think she I think she does because I'm, I'm look because we're we're recording this live on Twitch and uh, caregiver Katie is in the chat room, so she is very painfully aware of that. All right, let's move on. Uh, this next story is covered from kens5.com. Buck, we've both lived in some small towns. Um, small towns sometimes come up with bizarre solutions. Uh, usually, they use those solutions and line their pockets. This is being reported out of uh, Helotes, H-E-L-O-T-E-S, Helotes, Texas. Drivers cruising by or through Beverly Hills Drive in Helotes, Texas, will notice a few changes. There is a sign that says, No Through Traffic, posted at each end, and a police officer constantly patrolling the short street. If that officer catches you all drive all the way through, you could face a $250 fine or maybe a warning uh, for the first day or two. As dri- Hold on real second. Just, just one second. Um, I think Elotes, Texas is the place you were talking about. And um, nothing to do with the article, but funny fact, Elotes is how you say corn on the cob. So, reporting from Corn on the Cob, Texas. Oh. Just, 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 just so we all know exactly where we're coming from on this one. It's from Corn on the Cob, Texas. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yep. As drivers unfamiliar with the area, that might sound extreme, but at Hilotes, is that how you say it? Hilotes? Elotes. Elotes. Yeah, Elotes. Elotes. Yeah. It's an imperfect solution to a difficult problem. The problem started after a new subdivision, Davis Ranch, was built on a country land uh, east of Elotes. The hundreds of new homeowners in that subdivision have less than ideal exit options. The main parkway exit to the south goes through the middle school and elementary school, which is often flooded by traffic. The second second exit is to the south in a smaller road that takes drivers further away from 1604, which I'm assuming is a highway, uh, which is where many are traveling. There are, however, is a third option. A back exit from the country, new county division allows drivers to save 10 to 20 minutes by cutting east through Elotes on Beverly Hills Drive. Suddenly, the community had hundreds of extra drivers on its 0.7-mile community road. Traffic has gotten four or five times worse. The only person that drove through the neighborhood were our neighbors of 40 years. Half of those... Homes are now coming through our neighborhood. Traffic has been getting backed up a quarter of a mile. This is literally a town that is like, I don't know that person. They shouldn't be driving in front of my house. This is a town of Karens. This is the town that Karen built. 
<sighs> um, we have we have a street in Corn on the Cob, Texas, called Beverly Hills Drive. Just again, so everybody knows where this is coming from and exactly what the source is. The people of Corn on the Cob, Texas, are not having it. There's there's no quarter for any traffic that is not supposed to be there on Corn of the Cobb, Texas. And the people on Beverly Hills Avenue are hip to your fucking scheme, people. Your 20 minutes mean nothing to them. Pshaw. There have been a couple people that have almost been hit. Oh, my Lord. We've had, uh, we had a man almost hit on his bicycle. So that's a good reason to shut down a road to a community of hundreds. Uh, the sheer amount of traffic is quite dangerous on these small roads. With the neighborhood street periodically turning into a parking lot, citizens of Ilotes uh, went to the city council for help. Mayor Rich Whitehead told Ken's Five he told the Baxter County about the issue and they suggested a solution, a no-pass-through ordinance. We've already seen a 50% increase in traffic on the road and construction is nowhere near finished in Davis Ranch. We have a neighborhood road that had a traffic uh, county of 1,000 cars a day. We've seen 1,500 cars a day, and we're expected that trajectory to continue. So they're acting like it went from a road that had nobody on it to all of a sudden just constant traffic. You went from 1,000 cars a day to 1,500 cars a day. Okay, you didn't have like the, yes, it, it increased by, by one half. Okay, it's the, it, once you throw real numbers into it, it suddenly paints a much better picture of what's actually happening. There's enough Karens that are complaining, and the town said, hey, hey, money. <laughs> Whitehead said, in yep. addition to the safety concerns, the additional traffic would quickly wear down the community road. With no better options, the Elote City Council passed the ordinance in February, and it went into effect March 9th. The known pass-through ordinance allows the city to fine drivers a minimum of $250 and a maximum of $500. Drivers from Davis Ranch in the county are not happy with the decision. It's a public road. Uh, when we have the schools open up down there, it makes it a lot easier for us in the back of the neighborhood. We can access 1604 a lot quicker. The ordinance leaves uh, existing county homeowners also in a tough spot. These are people that don't actually live in the subdivision, just live on the other side of the Town. There are already homes in the county between Beverly Hills subdivision and the brand new Davis Ranch subdivision. As of Thursday, the county homeowners that have lived just west of Beverly Hills for years will technically be required to backtrack through the new Davis Ranch subdivision every time they leave their homes because they won't be allowed to drive through Beverly Hills either. Ken Ryan is the first county homeowner on the outside of the no pass through ordinance. Ryan was hoping to be grandfathered in, but the Beverly Hills community, uh, it's a no-go. Not, it's not an option. Still, he said he is willing to follow the rules and take the 10-minute-plus backtrack route through Davis Ranch for the sake of the community. I had no idea about this until yesterday afternoon. It is what it is. It's not ideal. Everyone's got to sacrifice a little bit, I guess. Fuck that. It's some... Oh, Karen! Go away, Karen! Dude. I, had, I had no idea about this until yesterday afternoon, he says. Uh, Ryan said he's had plenty of neighbors who will also uh, he would also be cut off from their typical route down Beverly Hills Drive in hopes that a better solution is on the way. So essentially, only people that live in that 0.7 mile stretch of road 
are allowed to use that road now. And what they're doing mm. is having a police officer at all times sit on that road and find anybody that drives through. And let, let me tell you that if you don't see a police officer there, don't, don't go. Because Commander Karen will fucking write down your license plate number and report you. And I can also guarantee I'm... you that th th this is the new speed trap. Since they don't have a stretch of highway, they're using this to generate revenue for their little podunk town on Corn on the Cob, Texas. They are... Mm -hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> because what happens to everyone's GPS that says, take this route? What happens to the delivery drivers? What happens to virtually anybody who does not live in that 0.7 mile stretch of land? You are, you you are using this strictly strictly as a revenue source for your community and your assholes. And I hope to God somebody gets this struck down. I really do. There's got to be some uh, kind of what? precedent to get this struck down in the courts. I can tell you what, some, I'll tell you what, it's going to be somebody from the East Coast driving down through there and they're going to pass through there, get pulled over and get a fine for that dumb shit. And it's going to be somebody who's going to take that ticket right to fucking court they're going to be like, no, I'm not paying this. They'll yeah. wait there. They'll wait there, and they will fight it, and they will bring it to court, and the judge is going to go, are you fucking kidding me? No, no, the magistrate, because it's gonna be, he's going to be from that town, that magistrate's going to say, nope, it's in the ordinance, boom. Then they'll have to appeal it to the state. And that is where... And he will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Somebody's going to take that all the way and scan it as far as they can scan it until it gets overturned. This, this, I, I would I make doubt. it my, if I lived in that area and I'm, I'm not encouraging crime, but I'm just telling you hypothetically that if I lived in that area, I might, and if you're listening to this from corn on the cob, Texas, take note, I might wait until nighttime, uh, go down there with a, uh, just a ratchet. Cause that's all you need to take a sign off. They're not put on there overly tight. Just take a ratchet, mm -hmm. go down there. Those signs that say no pass through. Take them, take them, throw them in a ditch, bend them up so they can't reuse them and throw them in a ditch and hang them in your bathroom. If there's nah, you don't want evidence around your house. Uh, but if, uh, if there's no sign, you can't write the ticket and they'll, they'll put nope. new signs up and I would just make it a game. I would, I would make it a game. Everybody in the subdivision, somebody distract the cop and somebody else go in there and take the sign and just get gank those signs every night. <laughs> now see i couldn't do that but what i would do is i'd put out like a wanted poster for those signs and i'd get all the local street urchins and i'd recruit them and i'd be like all right guys i'm the pied piper and i need my rats go take them down from those fence posts and bring them back to me for every sign that i get that says no pastor i'll give each one of you 50 bucks or here's an even they better solution. Here's a better solution. Mm -hmm. You can't pass through there. You have to stop somewhere. So, get a permit. Have your kid open a lemonade stand. Right there in that little .7 mile stretch. And then have everyone stop and pay their quarter for their lemonade. And then that pass through. Genius. <laughs> completely, completely within the fucking rules. 
And I'll bet you it would be the most profitable lemonade stand in history. Because you could put that shit out on Facebook. You know that no pass-through zone? Spend a quarter. It's basically a roundabout convoluted way of making it into a toll road. As you're passing through, save yourself a 20 glasses of lemonade because i have a catheter and i don't care how much liquid i drink <laughs> i just i'd sit there i'd bottomless fuck i'd be like give me a bottomless cup here's a dollar he shows up with a big gold cup <laughs> that's what i i'd bring my dubby shaker be well, like you know what just fill her up put a little beach and peach in there and done well speaking about the uh the wart on america's ass let's talk about elon musk shall we <laughs> Always. That's Elon Musk is almost as fun a topic on the social liability podcast as North Korea. I can't wait to see what you have. Well, eGadget is reporting Elon Musk reportedly wants to employ he wants sorry, he wants to be his employee's landlord. Elon Musk is reportedly attempting to build a company town where Tesla, Bo, Boeing, and SpaceX workers might live. The moated town, which is about 35 miles away from Austin, Texas, would likely be called Snailbrook. The publications uh, unearthed documents that lay out the plans to build 110 homes next to the Boeing and SpaceX facilities in Baystrip County. Uh, it says boring, not Boeing. B-O-R-I-N-G. What is boring? I never heard of it. Must be one of his companies. Uh, the company states that boring employees were invited last year to apply for housing with rent expecting to be around $800 a month for a two or three bedroom home. The median rent in nearby Bastrop is around $2,200 a month. So the workers would be paying below market rates. Still employees who lived in the town would be further beholden to Musk. In addition to receiving a salary from his business, they would be paying him rent. Uh, they'd be have 30 days to leave the home where they where did they get fired from boring or otherwise depart from the company. Executives have dis, <laughs> have discussed inviting workers from Musk other companies to apply for Snailbrook Housing too. Tesla's Texas Gigafactory is around 30 minute drive from the town of Bastrop. Plans for the town uh, include cover uh, converting a home into a Montessero school for up to 15 students, as well as possible incorporation. The latter would allow Musk to set certain rules for the municipality, which would also be apparently need to hold a mayoral election. Uh, Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Did you say Montessori school? Yeah. Did you seriously, that's what he's proposing on putting in there? For up to 15 students. What in the actual fuck? You are such a dickweed. All right, keep going. Montessori schools are a fucking joke to me. Keep going. Uh, entities in Musk orbit have snapped up at least 3,500 acres of land in the Austin area over the last few years. Records said to show last year, Musk and his architectural design designer, former girlfriend Grimes and Yee, a.k.a. Kanye West, uh, reportedly discussed ideas for the town several times last year, through nothing though nothing was finalized through the talks. Uh, meanwhile, nearby residents have concerns about the environmental impact of the projects. Uh, as the journal notes, uh, Boring has applied 
to discharge up to 140,000 gallons of industrial wastewater a day into the Colorado River. Worries have been expressed about how testing of Boring's tunneling machines may affect groundwater wells. <laughs> so, you know, in, in we're both from, from Appalachia. And if you don't believe what I'm going to tell you, please feel free to do your own research on this. Because this is a very big eyesore in America's history. We had towns in the coal mine areas um, and other, other kinds of uh, mining and manufacturing areas. They had what was called company towns. You would mm-hmm. go to work for this. Let's just, let's just use a coal mine, for example. And you would be paid in company script. You wouldn't even be paid in, in, um, in legal tender. In money. You would be paid in company script. And you would live in the company town. You would pay for the company house. And you would go to the company store. And you, that's where you could spend your company script. You were slave labor. You, mm-hmm. you were slave labor and you were paid in coupons, essentially. And so you could take your... your your salary of coupons and go down to the company store and buy whatever was in the company store because that's all there was to buy. You could not, you didn't have money. You couldn't leave. You couldn't even leave the town and go buy something and bring it back because you didn't have money. You only had, you only had company script. And this is how they kept employees from leaving because they weren't able to ever save any money to go anywhere. That's that's, And that's exactly what this is doing. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Oh, yeah, well, you you better uh, do what we tell you, because if you uh, leave or get fired, you have 30 days to move out. Yeah, good luck on that one. (laughs) Try to find yourself a fucking place to live right now in 30 days. I mean, that's... I am am currently looking for a new place to live. And let me tell you, 30 days is not a lot of time. (laughs) No, no, it is not. It took me five months to wrangle the place I'm living in right now. Five months. Somebody, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine having a 30-day time limit to vacate the premises. Yeah. That would just be, that, and especially after well, losing see, your job. See, here's the thing, Buck. Like, right now, you are, I, mean, I guarantee you, if I had to guess, well, maybe not. Are you on a lease right now, or are you on a month-to-month? I'm on a lease. Okay. So once your lease expires, typically, most landlords don't require you to, to sign a new lease. They just, you just go to a month-to-month tenancy. Which, in that case, you know, a landlord can just say, yeah, this is your 30-day notice. At the end of the next thing, I want you out. And that's it. You have to be gone. So that, that is, it's, it's not as though it's unheard of to have to move within 30 days. But in this particular instance, if Musk, in his whatever temper tantrum he's throwing that day, decides that eh, you don't work here no more, not only do you not have a job, but you have 30 days to move. And you're, and you're jobless. So good luck trying to get a, uh, to pass the application process on getting a place because you don't have a job. <laughs> so now you are literally stuck sucking on this man's nutsack, praying to him that you don't lose your job and lose your house. Yeah, and uh, good luck getting your kids into a different Montessori school. Just like, what, so what's your problem with Montessori schools? Dude, first off, it's, I think it's a very elitist concept 
like i think they're trying to like um mimic the uh the asian way of of educating their children i mean like i have a very lay person's perspective on montessori schools it's just that i've never met a, a well-adjusted adult that has graduated from uh, like every adult that i've ever met who's oh yeah i went to montessori school i'm like oh isn't it? Yeah. It, okay, so that's... so I, I I know of one where they they taught the class half the day in English, half the day in Spanish, and uh, I think it's like a self reliance thing more more but, so. But than it's like also a, the a multicultural. There, there's thing. no like this is the curriculum. It's the kid decides whatever they're going to learn that day. I I think it. I think I think a lot of it is self self driven by the by the student, and I don't agree with that. And, and that's, I think that's my biggest problem with it is that, you know, a Montessori school, you've got a five-year-old that's got that much control in their educational, you know, trajectory. And I just, I think that you need to, you need to steer that ship a little bit more as an adult, especially while the child is that young, you know, I mean, like if we're on the topic of shit like that in schools and stuff, they should teach kids how to fucking balance a checkbook and do their taxes too. You know, and I don't see Montessori or any private school that I've ever heard of fucking touting that they teach those applicable life skills to their students. Montessori to me is just a fancy way of saying um, we're going to hire a bunch of granola eating new age teachers to let your children decide what they learn. And um, and I don't agree with that. And, um, you know, that's just that's just me. You know, maybe I'm completely misunderstanding the whole Montessori aspect, and I've just got, you know, a very, you know, naive perspective of it. But until somebody actually wants to sit down and educate me a little bit more on the uh, nuances or benefits of Montessori training, then I'm not going to change my opinion on that one. And living in a town where I can't send my child to a regular public school, I don't care how much the fucking rent is. You know, they shouldn't even have like, mm, I just I think I think having a company town like that is just opening up the floodgates for a bunch of liability in areas that he didn't even know existed. I think that he's going to enter into a lot of problems the way that he did when he took over Twitter. He's going to undertake this thing, thinking it's a great idea. Everything's going to be peaches and cream. And he's going to get into it and it's going to fucking be like a lead balloon and detonate all over the motherfucker's face. And that's and also happen. what happens when he has one of his fucking temper tantrums and just decides to fucking throw people out. Yeah. Um, well, you know, wouldn't aren't there federal housing laws that are involved in that? I mean, like, wouldn't, you know, to say I can't get out of my house in 30 days, what are you going to do? Call the law and have him evict me? Yes. I don't believe that they, I like, uh, is he allowed to do that? Yes. Like they couldn't do. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't I, like you've gotten you by living there. And here's the real you kicker. Sac- here's you the... are signing away all your fucking tenants rights. And he, well, Everything no, 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 you no. You, you still have tenants rights, but you know, whatever they give you a 30 day notice, if you don't leave, then they file the eviction and you're, I don't know what, what the what law enforcement entity they use in Texas, but like in Pennsylvania, they use constables. In other states, they use sheriff's deputies. Um, but, you know, th- th- there's one important thing I hear. They said they'd have to have a mayoral election, which means they're going to have a mayor, which means they're also going to have a council, 
which means they could also constitute their own police department. Probably one of our longest episodes we've ever done. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and cut us off right there. <laughs> and, right on. And just remind everybody that uh, the Social Liability Podcast, it never charges you anything. The only thing we ever ask you to pay is attention. If you could just hit that subscribe button, it really helps. And if you could tell a friend, that would be outstanding. You can also listen to Buck's other podcast, the Social... I'm sorry, yeah, the Social Liability Podcast. No, the subcockles of Reddit with Sadar uh, as they go over some of the stuff like from subreddits such as Am I the Asshole, Nuclear Revenge, uh, Relationship Advice, other things of that nature. And you can list that wherever you actually know. That one's on Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Podcast, and Audible. Uh, Everyone, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, We do this for for mental health purposes. (laughs) Uh, And we'd like to thank you for, for joining us. I'm the Raz. He is the Buck. Wishing you all a happy and safe week. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Social Liability Podcast.